So in civil procedure, we've now talked a lot about the complaint and how the complaint works, and now we're going to move into responding to the complaint. And Rule 12 outlines the several ways that a defendant can respond to a complaint. We've spent most of our time focusing on Rules 12b, 2, 1 through 5, and the reason for that, and it actually we'll add 6 onto that as well, the reason for this is because those are the ways to dismiss a complaint. But there are several other things that you can do as well. Obviously, first, you can uh, respond to the allegations made, you can make affirmative defenses, and you can provide counterclaims. So let's go into each of these a little bit more, how Rule 12b-6 works, how Rule 12e and Rule 12f ultimately works. This is first found in Matos, Matos um, where a complaint was filed and the defense responded by filing a 12b-6, a 12e, and a 12f. 12b-6, as you know, is a motion to dismiss, this one, motion to dismiss for not properly stating a claim. A Rule 12e is a motion for a more definite statement. And a Rule 12F is a motion to strike a claim. Rule 12E is really just saying the writings here were so bad we had no clue what it was saying at all. So the writings don't need to be beautiful. It doesn't need to be the next Hemingway, so to speak. But it needs to be intelligent in the sake of you have to understand what they're saying and what you are being uh, accused of. And if that's not the case, then you can do a 12E. Ultimately, it's just... Uh, these aren't accepted very often because most of the time you can't tell what people are trying to get at. A 12F motion to strike is specifically to strike certain parts of a claim, not to drop a certain claim, that's a 12B6, but a 12F motion is to strike words. So in this case, it was they wanted to strike the words illegal conduct, and it's because, well, this is a civil action that's criminal, it doesn't match up, we want those strikes to be allowed. But ultimately, the court determines 12F motions are rarely allowed. Ultimately, we know that this is a civil court. You're not being sued criminally in this case, and it's not going to give that impression. So the court dismisses that 12F motion. As for 12B6, obviously, uh, that is to dismiss the claim, but the courts determine here that it can also be used to amend a claim, not just to dismiss a claim. Our second case was Hunter versus Servtechie. This is really a big takeaway from this case is that you have to. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, what happened in this case is that the defendants had brought forth the B five twelve B five motion to dismiss for. Uh, improper notice or insufficient notice and it was unsuccessful and later they realized oh we should have brought a 12b2 so they brought the 12b2 and then the court said well you should have brought this with your 12b5 what we learned here is that 12b2 through 5 need to be brought together uh, rule 12b1 and 12b6 can be brought any other time but you can't string them along in between the first pleading and the answer what we do learn here, though, is that uh, if you do not bring a 12B1 with your 12B2, and you file that 12B2 before 
the answer, well, then you have to wait until the answer to do your 12b1. After the answer is, then the 12b1 and the 12b6 are allowed to be brought up at any other time. If I want to say that in a different way, uh, Rule 12h says that 12b2 through 5 must be brought together in the first responsive pleading. 12b1 and 12b6 can be brought later, but if there's a first motion to dismiss earlier than the answer, then they need to wait till after the answer. Our final case was Ingram versus United States. This is introducing affirmative defenses. Affirmative defenses are outlined in Rule 12.8c. An example of an affirmative defense is the statute of limitations. It's your, yes, I may be accepting everything you say is true, but you can't sue me because I have this defense. The issue that happened in this case is that the affirmative defense wasn't brought up in the answer, and what needs to happen is it needs to be brought up in the answer, otherwise the affirmative defense is waived. And that's ultimately what Rule 8c is saying. Bring it up in the answer or you waive that defense, and the reason for that is because you need to give the other party proper notice of the defense. So that's really uh, a summary of how we can respond to a complaint. We've got a bit more to do as far as replying goes, but those are some of the things that you can say other than obviously the direct reply. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.